Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So I wanted to uh, talk this evening about devotion. Uh, and I, as I said earlier, it's a subject I, I like to visit from time to time uh, from my own practice as well as whatever people hearing it can get from it. Um, it's, it's a subject that doesn't get a whole lot of airplay, but um, I feel is such a rich um, aspect of practice and source of inspiration and fuel for practice uh, that I think it bears visiting from time to time. You might be familiar with one of the lists, one of the many lists in, in uh, Buddha Dharma, the list of the five spiritual faculties the different qualities that are developed that lead to um, an awakened heart. And it's different than the seven factors of enlightenment. Those are the factors that, uh, that when cultivated and experienced in balance, um, create an opening of the heart. But these qualities, and a few of them are in those seven factors, these, these qualities in the, in the five spiritual faculties are um, qualities that mm, facilitate those other awakening factors arising. And they're qualities that uh, you are familiar with. The three that are also in the in the uh, seven factors list are mindfulness, uh, which develops on every level all the wholesome qualities of heart, concentration, and uh, energy. Um, those three are in the awakening factors and uh, as well. And concentration and energy need to be in balance, and mindfulness is a balancing uh, factor, faculty, and the other two in this list are wisdom and faith. Faith needs to be present, needs to be balanced with wisdom in order for there to be a richness of practice. It's one thing to have a a, a deep understanding, conceptual understanding of various principles of the Dharma, like impermanence or suffering or the selfless nature of reality. Those are all uh, concepts that can lead to liberation. But in that list of the five faculties, if wisdom is not balanced with a heartful quality, which in this list is called faith, then the wisdom becomes too cerebral and actually can lead to um, skepticism if you're thinking too much or spinning your wheels. And there's, there's not enough juice and richness to... Put your whole heart into practice. The word in, um, in Pali is sadha for faith. Sadha, S-A-D-D-H-A, which literally means to put one's heart upon something, to put your heart into it, to be wholehearted. And that faith can take the form of uh, faith in the Dharma, uh, faith in uh, in in the the possibility of this leading to uh, awakening uh, and faith in people who've inspired you uh, faith in uh, in the Buddha 
it's essential. And the Buddha uh, talked about uh, two kinds of practitioners that most people fall into. Uh, and both of them are valid and um, um, just as rich a source, a, 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 a temperament that leads to awakening. One are wisdom followers who mostly are drawn to an, a deep understanding of the teachings. And as I said, even those need to have a kind of some level of faith. But then there's also faith followers that get into the practice because they are in love with the Dharma. Or in the Buddhist time, faith followers were those considered to have such deep faith in the Buddha that they just went for it. And their heart was so open that they could then have a deep embodied understanding of the teachings. It can work both ways, that your heart can be open and then the wisdom can enter, or the wisdom helps you to open up your heart. But often... Uh, in, in our way of presenting the Dharma, the, um, the faith followers kind of get second-class citizenship uh, because it's, it's not spoken so much of how much you, how important it is to, to love the Dharma or to give your whole heart into practice. Mm. When people get stuck in their practice, does that ever happen to you? you know, if you've been practicing for a while, long enough, and you're no longer in the honeymoon period, which can happen and can last for a while, it's beautiful to just be so on fire with practice. But sometimes, almost everyone, somewhere along the line, uh, can hit a dry spell where there's doubt, where there's uh, a plateau, where there's a feeling of um, just it's not really happening. Almost always when someone is stuck in their practice in that way, um, it's, it's related to the fact that it's stopped being juicy in some way. And they're more in their head and trying to figure things out. Even trying to figure out, why am I stuck? I should know better than that. That's when you really get stuck. <clears throat> and what is missing, as you're in your head, you're not in your heart. And of course, there's not going to be that feeling of being on fire like we were in the honeymoon period. So when we get that dry, we usually we need a little bit of moistening in there. And devotion is, is a way to, um, to get in touch with that moistening. Our culture particularly American culture, but I, I don't think it's unique to America. But um, uh, a lot of the Western, mm, more, more privileged or more uh, independent cultures um, have this idea, I should go it alone, as they say but particularly American culture, we are independent, you know. The, that's, what, that's what freedom is about, independence. Uh, and that it's easy to miss on the whole understanding of uh, interdependence in that independence. 
But when we are so independent or we feel that we, uh, there's something weak about reaching out, there's something uh, wimpy about saying, hey, I could use some support here. Or there's something um, valued in um, solitude and uh, the, uh, the strong mind and heart that it makes it a little bit of a stretch to open up to this feeling of devotion. And particularly in Buddhist path, uh, which is different than all the other great spiritual traditions whether it's um, Christianity and taking, taking on Jesus as, as a savior, or um, Judaism or uh, uh, Islam, where there's a surrender to God, a devotion to God or Allah, or in, in Hinduism, there's so many deities to... Um, to put on your puja table. Um, Buddhism is a bit different because there's nothing, no one out there that's in higher realms that you can be devoted to per se. Uh, And sometimes Buddhism is called the path with no railings. For that reason, all the other great spiritual traditions have something that you can lean on and hold on to. And uh, when you're when you're really having a hard time, you can feel your love of God, which is beautiful. I'm I'm not putting this in any kind of a hierarchy and saying this is better. In fact, that's why I want to bring in this quality of devotion. Because there's something so um, comforting and so inspiring to realize you don't have to do it alone. I was listening yesterday to um, a song, a gospel song. It's on a, on a compilation that, uh, that I love. Um, it's, it's so, it was so beautiful. Um, and this, this song... Uh, no ways tired. Uh, um, I, uh, I'm no ways tired. I'm. I can't. I, I can't. I can't believe that m- my Lord brought me this far to leave me, uh, and that. Uh, let's see if I. I wrote down a, some of the lyrics. Yeah. That's it. Once. Once I realized how much. My Lord loved me, then I was saved. We often miss how much life loves us because we're busy being strong and independent. But when you have that, that quality of accepting some creator as as you as a savior or some some uh, presence that's going to be there for you it's easier to let in the love oh my lord loves me sometimes i i i miss that quality uh if i think in terms of wishing there was some body out there but it's right here in in buddhist in Buddhist, uh, the Buddhist path as well. It just needs to be fleshed out a little bit. I'm remembering right now, uh, I, don't know if, I don't think I ever played it in here. There's for about, um, this is just kind of popping through my mind now, f- uh, for about a year, this is oh, when in my 20s, um, what the main thing on my 
record player, and it was in my record, the days of vinyl, was um, this guy, this, this uh, blind uh, street singer, Reverend Gary Davis. Anybody, who knows Reverend Gary Davis? Oh, great, yeah. Julie Badu would know Reverend Gary Davis, too. <clears throat> this, he was, he's an amazing guitar player. I still listen to him all the time. Um, but he was this Harlem street singer who uh, just sang to God. Um, and uh, I kept on playing it over and over, you know. All I want, all I want, all I want, just a little more faith in Jesus, and just going on and on. And it wasn't that Jesus was my Savior, but there was like a a transmission of how much he loved God. And I said, that's what I want. That's what I need. And really, it was the main thing for for a year. My son, Adam, when I rediscovered Gary Davis, I played it for a while. He said, oh my God, do we have to keep on hearing him? (laughs) I said, Adam, get into the feeling. Because it evoked that feeling in me. Anyway. (laughs) Um, So it can seem like in Buddhism uh, there's not a whole lot of devotional energy, but it's throughout Buddha Dharma, actually. If you've been around Tibetans, their whole scene is about devotion. Um, The guru, guru yoga, where you are seeing your teacher as your guru as the embodiment of the Buddha. Uh, And you, you... supplicate to to the Buddha. You supplicate to your guru. And in that opening, you surrender to the, um, um, to opening to the whole lineage. Trungpa, uh, not Trungpa, uh, Sokni Rinpoche has this line, which I've, I've used from time to time in other circumstances, that devotion is like putting out your satellite dish that when your your heart is so open and you feel such reverence for your inspiring teacher, then you are saying thank you and you can receive all the blessings of the lineage. If you're kind of going it alone and, and, and in your head, there's no room for the blessings to enter. Mm. I remember many years ago uh, when I I ordained for a very brief time. This is in uh, 1982 uh, in Bodh Gaya, and there were. I was just talking about this uh, yesterday to somebody, and um, Joseph Goldstein and Wes Nisker and a, a few other people. We we ordained uh, in Bodh Gaya, and uh, in at the ordination ceremony there was this amazing presence who was going around and blessing everyone and with great gratitude, oh, thank you for taking on the robes. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. But there was something really powerful about him. He wasn't just a a regular guy saying, oh, I'm so happy. It was like, he was blessing you with his gratitude. And I said, who is that guy? And I was kind of like, who is that mass man? From, if you remember the Loden Ranger days. Uh, who is that guy? And, and, uh, and somebody said, that is Lama Yeshe, who is one of the most revered teachers of the 20th century. He passed away, oh, maybe about, 15, 20 years or so ago. Lama Yeshe, and I hadn't, I had heard about Lama Yeshe for many years, but there was something about his presence and his deep gratitude. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. 
there was a power in his blessing. It, it wasn't like, like he was below and he was like, oh, you received something from this very pure heart. That, that's probably the thing that I remember most about that whole amazing experience. Lama Yeshe's devotion. So it touches us. And in, in Asian countries, in, um, in, in Thailand or Burma, particularly, or Sri Lanka, there is a reverence that is so intrinsic to the way the Dharma is expressed and is um, presented. The chanting... Um, you know what? Could you pass me that uh, the chant? Uh, if you can get to it, just read a little bit of the the chant. Thanks. And there's lots of chants that are that go more and more deep deeply into this. That namo tasa bhagavato, homage to the blessed one the perfected one, the fully enlightened one. You pay homage first. Not that you're praying. The Buddha's not around anymore, but an expression of gratitude and reverence and appreciation. Thank you. Thank you for doing what you did so that I can see the light myself. And then I take refuge in the Buddha. I take refuge in the Dharma. I take refuge in the Sangha. That is an act of devotion. Mm. And there's bowing everywhere. When people come to Spirit Rock and, and they, they see the teachers bow and at the end of the sittings, uh, we often bow and people bow back. And if, if you're new to the practice, uh, it, often people come up and say, you know, well, what is all this bowing? You know, what am I, what am I supposed, am I supposed to bow? And who am I bowing to? And what's it about? And uh, gosh, I, I thought I, uh, I was over that when I finally got out of Sunday school or uh, whatever it was uh, that you went through, uh, supplication. But um, in Asia, they bow to everything. Uh, Jack would often say in when he finally when he got his training as a monk he said if it moves you bow <laughs> yeah. you're bowing to everything and you're bowing to to life in all of its forms you're bowing to the buddha in all of its forms you're bowing to um to the expression of um of life the Buddha says um, to pay respect and homage to those worthy and noble is a great blessing. And devotion on a very, mm, very practical level brings joy, it said, brings concentration. It allows the mind to focus because you're not in your in your head, uh, deepens concentration, invigorates the mind, brings energy. I take refuge in the Dharma. I take refuge in the Buddha. When we're, when we're really taking refuge, there's an element of deep surrender that says, as in the Christian uh, expression, not my will, but thy will. It's the same. I take refuge in the Dharma. I take, I take refuge in opening up to what life is presenting me in this moment. If I truly can surrender my control, which I never had in the first place, if I can truly surrender and see that every moment life is 
giving me just what I need to wake up, ah, then you don't have to control the show anymore. Then there's, that's where the faith comes in. But when the Dharma came to the West and to America particularly, um, the, the people who brought it over, particularly uh, Joseph and, and Jack Cornfield and, uh, and Sharon Salzberg and, and a few of the other Westerners, we were afraid that it would get too religious or spiritual and kind of and removed some of the, the devotional quality so that this could be seen as uh, as a, a science of mind, so to speak, and a practice that you didn't need to believe anything, which the Buddha said as well. You don't need to believe anything. Don't believe anything. Check it out for yourself. However, that doesn't mean let go of your heartfulness, let go of your your love of the truth. I've shared the story um, here before, but I I feel like sharing it again, particularly for those who haven't heard it, of of really seeing my, um, that quality of heartfulness in Buddhist practice that I, I, I didn't realize was there Many years ago, and I was, um, uh, I came uh, into the into the Buddha, Buddha Dharma and just was so grateful. Uh, but it was it was getting dry for a little while, <clears throat> and uh, Joseph told me about uh, Joseph Goldstein told me that uh, that Ramdas was doing this, having this scene in New York, and Ramdas who had written Be Here Now, which was the book that changed my life, um, was, um, he was having this small scene and I thought, oh, that would be really good because he's, I was very moved by his guru, Neem Karoli Baba, and, and the whole, uh, he really spoke to me, Ramdas, And I went to see him to see if it was appropriate for me to be in this class uh, even though I was by that time a, a card-carrying Buddhist in my mind, so to speak, you know, I was into vipassana meditation, and that was the way. Um, but I still loved Neem Karoli Baba, and 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 missed that juice. I wasn't get it was it was not juicy uh, enough for me, and uh, so I went to see Ramdas and said, uh, well, I really, I think I'm, I, I need, to, I'd like to be here and could get something out of this. And, and he knew that I was, I told him I was into Vipassana meditation by that time. And uh, he said, um, well, uh, let me ask you, um, do you, how do you feel about Jesus? Do you love Jesus? And I said, well, I like Jesus. <laughs> I don't know if I'd say I love Jesus, but I like him and love his teachings. He said, no, no, do you love Jesus? I said, well, you know, I, I, I don't know if I love him the way you, I think I sense you think it would be good for me to. <laughs> and he said, okay, well, uh, how about Krishna? Do you love Krishna? This is a real Hindu scene. And again, I said, I like Krishna. <laughs> I like uh, the, the expression of, uh, of celebration and, and joy and, uh, and uh, aliveness. Uh, but I, I don't know if I l- love Krishna. And then he said, uh, well, uh, what about God? Do you love God? And I said, well, you know, Ramdas, I was raised in the Jewish tradition, like he was. And I said, for me, God 
maybe from the, the Bible books I had, the Bible picture books or whatever, my conception of God was this big guy with a beard, very powerful, with a big book and a big pen saying, you're going to have a good day and you're not going to have a good day. And what it did was put the fear of God into me, not quite the love of God. So um, when I hear the word God, I think in terms of the Dharma, which is the way that I translate the word God. The, just the, the, the perfection of it all, the, the, um, the mystery of it all. And, and, um, and so when I translate that, then I can, I can feel a connection. And he said, oh, okay. He said, well, do you love the Dharma? I said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I definitely. He said, you sure? I said, absolutely. And then he said, well, did you ever tell the Dharma that you loved it? <laughs> and I said, no. He said, well, why don't you? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, why don't you just say, I love you, Dharma. I said, really? He said, yeah, go ahead. Just say it. Say, I love you, Dharma. I'll say it with you. He was very generous. He said, you say it, I'll say it with you. And I felt like a complete jerk. But I said, okay, I love you, Dharma. And he said, I love you, Dharma. And I said, I love you, Dharma. And he said it back. And we did it about three or four times until one time I really felt it. I love you, Dharma. And at that time, uh, tears started flowing down my cheeks, at which point he said, oh, there's hope for you yet. But what that moment did for me was get in touch with how much I completely loved the Dharma, whether you call it the truth or goodness or consciousness. There was something so strong in there that it turned my whole life around and I couldn't ignore it. There was... There was no, there was no turning back once that hook got in me, and that's something I think that all practitioners uh, would be um, would benefit from getting in touch with how much they love this stuff. Whatever word you use, how much we love. You can put in practice, how much we love stillness, how much we love truth, how much we love love, how much we love awareness, how much we love consciousness. It's all the same. And for me, particularly in moments of intensive practice, touching that place of purity of heart where I'm not trying to impress anybody. It's just me with my own heart and the authenticity of it uh, breaks me open. And as, as we open, there's a, a, a tenderizing of the heart and there's a, a feeling of um, innocence, really, of innocence. The, the word purity has always been one that, that has been um, a, a powerful one for me when I really drop into it, a, a purity of heart. It's like uh, in, in Jesus' teachings saying, uh, except you be converted as children, 
you will not know the kingdom of heaven. It's letting yourself be that childlike where all of your knowing drops away, all of your presentation drops away, all of your concepts and being anybody drops away. And what you're left with is a childlike awe, a childlike wonder. For, for me, uh, I was saying this also to somebody, when I was young, I would, uh, astronomy was my entry into, into Dharma. And I would drag my, my parents to the Hayden Planetarium in New York as often as I could. And I'd look up at the, at the sky show and just go, That was it. That's what I've been trying to recapture ever since. That feeling of awe and wonder and being like a child. And it opens us up to a feeling of gratitude, like that satellite dish, like a feeling of that there's something larger than yourself. And that's what the whole game is about, seeing something bigger than yourself. And it doesn't have to be some big man with a beard and a book. It's life. When you, when you have a, a reverence of prayer, where you, where you say from the deepest place inside, may I feel all the the goodness in life may i whatever it is may i may i be happy may i love well may i wake up to my true nature you don't necessarily need to be speaking to somebody but you can be speaking to life because there's something much bigger than you that you are um, humbled by. There's a gratitude and a feeling of humility in that seeing the smallness of of who you are, but seeing that you're part of everything and how amazing it is that life has somehow manifested in this form called you and in that humility that smallness that's really you getting out of the way and letting life just move through you then that's that's this experience of life just being devoted to itself through you that's what it really is it's just life appreciating itself through this form. In, uh, in the, the Ramayana, um, Hanuman, who is the, the servant of Ram, who is the ultimate servant, he says to, uh, to Ram, when I, when I forget who I am, when I don't know who I am, I serve you. When I remember who I am, you and I are one. So who is being devoted to who? When you are feeling that awe and wonder and gratitude, you're just life loving itself through you. And in that loving itself, what happens is you surrender your ego. You surrender being somebody and you just let in the love. So uh, maybe just to to make this a bit more than just concepts, uh, I invite you to close your eyes for a moment. And first, 
open to the fact that you're alive. That life is coming through you in this form called whatever your name is. And relax and just feel life moving through you. And in that relaxation, perhaps a moment of gratitude for the gift of awareness and life you've been given. And a sense of humility. Let yourself be like a child just for a few moments. Remember what it's like to be like a child. Completely amazed. And letting in the love and feeling appreciation to life, whether you call it life or the Dharma or God or whatever way works for you, the mystery. And get in touch with how much you love the truth, how much you love the Dharma. And you might even tell the Dharma in your own way that you love it. You don't have to say it out loud. Just feeling the the awesomeness of it all. Gifted with the human birth gifted with a consciousness that knows experience and a body that works without you even trying it. And in a, in a moment, if you have related to the phrase, I take refuge in the Dharma, you might just Say it and go to the depths of what it means. I take refuge in the Dharma. Thank you, Dharma. Just let your experience be however it is, but if there's just even a little tenderness... Don't miss it. Just being a little kid for a moment and celebrate it. So we just have a a few minutes if there's any questions or comments before we we go. Yeah. This one. Thanks, Jackie. All the way raise your hand, clock. I just wanted to say that uh, I, I thank you for 
the part a little closer to your mouth. Yeah. Yeah. I want to thank you for the part that where you suggested we imagine ourselves as a child. And that really opened mm. up some thoughts and uh, memories for me that were very sweet. So I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That that really is the key, I think, for me. That 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 quality of innocence and um, letting yourself be held and and trusting. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, over here. Real close to your mouth. Yeah. Okay, just getting ready. <laughs> Um, this, as often is the case, so ridiculously perfectly timed for my life, and I feel like it's been a long time coming. Um, I started my spiritual path of from when I was nineteen to about you know twenty nine or so, about the first ten years, on a very devotional path with a guru from India and lots of bhakti, lots of devotion. And um, there was, without going into it, I was longing for something else. It was, for whatever reason, that particular path was lacking something that Mm -hmm. I've since found in the past five or six years in Buddhism. Yet I've felt this real sadness, this grief that I've, um, and you're speaking exactly to what I feel like I've lost touch with. And this has been helpful. And I feel like I wanted to say something because I'm afraid I'll walk out the door and, and, and still feel this like sense of how do I, without sort of idolizing some other and looking to... And I've also spent a lot of time in the Native American uh, spiritual community too, which is like the creator. And it's, I, I sort of have latched on to... E- it's either some being outside of me who is, even if it's in my mind, concrete, but this other outside of me that I, uh, you know, bow down to, which feels really good, but I, there's this disconnect mm-hmm. that, that I'm trying to grow into, out of something. So it's that it's easier, I feel, to have a guru and um, be devotional that way. So how do I, I, without um, having that, it's more difficult. Just life feels like so ethereal and hard Mm -hmm. to be devotional to. I mean, I'll work on it, but Mm -hmm. if you have anything else (laughs) to say. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, just to uh, to echo you, you know, I, coming from that devotional place for uh, for a while before I got into the Dharma, uh, and I longed for it, and then when I finally got back into that scene, I said I spent oh, a year saying, "Am I a, a bhakta or am I a Buddhist?" And you know, one, the the bhakti path seemed a little sloppy to me, and the Buddhist path seemed a little dry to me. And Ramdas would say, "Don't worry about picking your path. Let your path pick you." And then um, I, one day actually, uh, Neem Karoli Baba's one of his main uh, teachings is love everyone, uh, serve everyone, and remember God. And one day it hit me that um, non greed, non hatred, and non delusion is exactly the same. That love everyone is non-hatred. Serve everyone is non-greed. Remember God is non-delusion. So one of the things that uh, came to me strongly is understanding how to translate concepts in a way that touches my heart. And so whatever words speak to you or whatever concepts or uh, an embodied experience. That's the thing about devotion. It goes from the head to an embodied surrender. Whatever way is your way, 
then honor it. For me, it's, um, it's when the subtlety of mindfulness, when you, when you really sink into the moment completely and realize, oh my God, I'm alive. That often is where, where it comes down to. It's slowing down enough to touch that place of purity in the heart that is amazed about being alive. And so for you, anything that you've touched that keeps you coming back to, to that place is, is the essence of it. And w- one thing that I didn't mention, there's a, a teaching on um, what's called Chitta Idipada. I've mentioned it here before, where you fall in love with the Dharma, where you fall in love, there's no turning back. You hear a call that you can't ignore somehow, you can't even as much as you'd like to ignore it sometimes, you can't ignore it. Let that pull you to the depths of your of your heart. Because it's right in there. If you were touched by those years in the bhakti path, there's something in there that keeps on calling. Just listen carefully to it and let yourself feel it again. Okay, we should uh, end so uh, just a very short Metta. Once again, feel the blessings of community and the fact that you are drawn to come and sit with others and that you love the Dharma in whatever way that resonates for you. In the silence, you can feel it sometimes. In the stillness, it's right here. And appreciate yourself and extend loving kindness to all beings. May all feel their hearts, feel the truth inside, and wake up to their true nature. And may our coming here together be of benefit to all beings everywhere. May all beings be happy. May all beings know the highest peace. May all beings be free. Thank you very much for your attention. See you next week. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.